eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The farmer's dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. The, the, the winds of change are blowing through Raider Nation and Silver and Black Today keeps you up to date with the latest news and views about your Las Vegas Raiders. Touchdown Las Vegas! With insight, opinions, and interviews. We're on the cutting edge of what's happening now. Now, now with the latest on your Raiders and the NFL. Your host, Scott Goldbranson and Mo Moten. Welcome back. Silver and Black Today. Thanks for being back with us. Yes, it's time to talk Raiders football. We are an Odyssey original podcast covering the Las Vegas Raiders. Also heard, if you're listening to us on Sunday, excuse me, Saturday, forgot we switched days, on the bet in Las Vegas on the radio. So thanks to our Las Vegas audiences for being with us, too. Uh, I say us because there's two of us here. That's right. Uh, He, the guy over there across from me, yes, a few states away from me, but nonetheless through the magic of the interwebs. He is my co-host. He is Mo Moten, senior NFL writer at Bleacher Report, a.k.a. Midtown Mo. You can catch him on the X or X.com at Mo Moten, M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. You can follow me, Scott Branson, your other host, at LV Gully. The show is SNB Today. All right, Mo, we're jumping in here. Uh, some news, obviously, yesterday. We'll get to the first, the wild and the wacky world of one Mr. Chandler Jones seems to at least start to uh, maybe get rectified, meaning if he needs help, which it appears he does, uh, the Raiders have put him on the non-injury football, uh, or not injury list, excuse me, let me get that out straight, which means he can spend time away from the the team. He does not uh, count on the roster any longer. He goes on that injured reserve, basically, is what it is. But it, it got stranger as things went on the weird accusation about his niece being or goddaughter being molested 
And then you get another one, and this is the one I remember being most shocked by. Not all the other wackiness, because we've seen that, but uh, his condition. Uh, you you commented on it when he posted a picture on Instagram where he looked really skinny. I mean, this is a guy who plays defensive end in the NFL, and so you knew something was going on there because he appears to be uh, uh, having having lost a ton of weight, and then, of course, he's tagging LeBron James in some weird posts. Um I'm just glad, I'm hoping at least, that we don't see him on social media and that he gets the help he needs. It's, it's, it went from what's going on with Chandler Jones and people were making jokes of it because that's what people do on social media. And then it went to disturbing. And as time went on, my comments about it, you know, kind of went down. And I did comment on about his look because he did post a video. And listen, Chandler Jones usually plays at about 6'5", 260, 270. And I commented, he looks like a lanky safety right now. Mm-hmm. He he barely looks over 200 pounds. I remember when you're tall like that, and you're barely over 200 pounds, you're thin. You look very, very thin. And remember we heard reports in training camp that, you know, Chandler Jones was slimming down. Now I'm wondering if that was based on something he was doing, decisions he made to slim down versus – because usually when you hear a player slims down before training camp, you're thinking, oh, the team has plans for him to be more agile pass rusher, right? Right. That may have not have been the case, and that's may that may have been why they sent him home in the first place. But I, I'm not going to even comment on all the stuff that he's posting on social media because none of it to me makes sense. Which, no. like again, is disturbing. So I'm just going to say I hope Chandler Jones, whatever is going on with him, he gets right, he gets well. But from a, po- a football perspective, he will miss at least the next four games. The Raiders have not written him off as saying that he he can't come back. They're just going to put him on this list and hope that he his condition or whatever is going on with him improves. In the meantime, the Raiders have to find out what to do with their pass rush because with Chandler Jones out, Malcolm Koontz and Tyree Wilson are going to have to step up unless someone else comes in. Exactly. And and I have to say, and I think a couple people in the NFL pointed this out, and, th- and, that, and I think even Adam Schefter did, which was you know, the Raiders are, are doing what they can and are doing right by him. They're trying to get him the help that they feel he believes. Now, we'll, we'll get the true story one day, but you know, a lot of people go to he sucks, cut him, and all that kind of stuff. It's a human being, and so I agree with you. I think the conversation with Chandler Jones now is over. They miss him on the field. We can talk about that. But about the rest of it, hopefully now with this move, I don't know. Hopefully this means there's been some communication going on and they're getting them the help he needs. Other health uh, health uh, news was Chandler – excuse me, Devontae Adams healthy back on the field. We saw Jacoby Myers on Wednesday out at practice – Still listed as doubtful as we get the report uh, from from the team. Uh, so to get Jacoby Myers back would be a huge get. And Devontae Adams seems like he's got no ill effects after getting hit in the head uh, in the Buffalo game. So the Raiders start to get back healthy with their wide receivers. Mo, they're going to need them. We're going to get into Pittsburgh later as we have Jarrett Bailey from USA Today in the Steel Curtain uh, on uh, in the final segment of the show. But uh, I, I tell you what, they're going to need every bit of offense they can get. That Pittsburgh defense has injuries on it, but the front of the Pittsburgh Steelers is is playing at midseason form. They have a guy they drafted on day two, Keanu Benton. I wanted the Raiders to draft. They're going to be counting on him a lot because Cam Hayward is out, but if he had groin surgery. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mika Fitzpatrick got nicked up on Monday night, had a chest injury. So there are some absences or potential absences in that defense. But as you saw Monday night against the Cleveland Browns, 
that defense scored 12 of their 26 points and is still the strong link on that on that football team. So the Raiders are going to have their offense is going to have their work cut out for them. I still feel like it's an even matchup. We'll get into that later in the show. But what I'm lo- really looking for, and I said this on my Bleach Report Live on Wednesday, if the Raiders are going to win this game, Josh Jacobs has to be productive and he has to be efficient. By the way, our, our good friend, uh, what was it, Oakland History 76 on Twitter posted the fact that the Raiders rushing totals, it's the second worst in team history to start out two games of a season as far as the the, the running production. Uh, now, that's only two games, so so there's still time to overcome. It doesn't mean it's going to happen. We're not trying to pile on here, but it just goes to show you they have to do that. To talk about the Raiders' run game, by the way, coming up after the break, we're going to be joined by NFL fullback, most recently of the Cleveland Browns, also of the Minnesota Vikings, Johnny Stanton. We're going to talk to him about the Raiders' run game, what he sees, and we're going to ask him, too, when you're having trouble running the ball, then um, what do you do? Uh, it's one of those things where, uh, as a player, you know, how does that, how does that impact the, the locker room and everything like that? So we're going to talk to Johnny Stanton after the break as well. And then, of course, Jarrett Bailey, as I talked about, uh, with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And so you, you look at this, Mo, you look at how this team is gelling. Okay, we heard the press conference yesterday. We heard McDaniels talk about how difficult the Steelers are going to be. Um, and they will be defensively for that Raiders offense. We talked about last show, the Raiders' office languaging. Everybody's talking about the defense, as they should. The defense has to get better. But at the same time, complimentary football. I keep going back to it over and over and over again. Um, the Raiders' offense is a big concern because of all of the people they have. The defense is missing talent. The offense seemingly has enough talent to score points and get up, but they are now last in the league in scoring with 13.5-point average per game after two games. Something's got to change there and change quick. I, I'm going to say this again. I'm going to sound like a broken record, but they got to add variety to their offense. There's no way that Michael Mayer, Trey Tucker, and Hunter Renfro should add up to three targets in two games. And, I mean, you 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 have these guys around. You brought them in to have a, a more explosive or productive offense, right? So if you're if you're depending on one or two players a game, that's not good enough. And I believe Josh McDaniels said after the Bills lost that Hunter Renfro should have had more targets. Hunter Renfro didn't get a target until garbage time against the Buffalo Bills. So, as you said, complimentary football matters. So, in order for the offense to have, in order for Josh Jacobs to have more room to run the ball, the Raiders have to force defenders to respect Jimmy Garoppolo's arm. Because if they don't respect Jimmy Garoppolo's arm, they're just going to say, we're going to load the box and we're not going to let Josh Jacobs beat us. We're, we want Jimmy Garoppolo to go to someone other than Devontae Adams to beat us. And that, and that's basically what I think the Steelers will do. Um, but they, the Steelers overall have a pretty good defense, so they can cover their corners. They can cover on the edge. They got T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith who can wreak havoc on opposite sides of that defensive line. Jimmy Garoppolo's had time to throw the ball. Hasn't been sacked yet. So right. it, the problem is not overwhelming pressure. The Raiders' offensive line, when it comes to pass blocking, is pretty good. It's the run blocking that's a bit of an issue, but I, I think if assuming Jimmy G has time to throw the football against the Pittsburgh Steelers, he has to spread the rock around to other to other players other than Jacoby Myers if he plays in Devontae Adams. Right, and and the other thing here too, I mean, you talked about balance, but and and in, in the last point you just made because I remember with the previous quarterback, it was like, oh, he's spreading the ball of fourteen. Why don't you just settle on your best receiver and do it? so? Now it's gone the other way, and people are complaining mm-hmm. too, but they have the point, which is, okay, so you have Devontae Adams, you have Hunter Renfro, 
you have Michael Mayer, you have Austin Hooper. How are you? Oh, now that could be the quarterback thing. It could be Jimmy Garoppolo not comfortable, right? He just hasn't made that connection. But let's face it, you're going into week three now. Okay. You you need to start opening things up. I also think that they have to get that balance. Like you and I talked about it before. Yes, you're not going to always be able to run the ball like you want to. So you have to be able to to have balance. Uh, but you also need to establish that. And they got to come out early. They got to come out. They came out fast last game mode, but they have to come out fast in a different way on defense this time, I think, too. That defense is going to have to show. Patrick Graham said at the press conference this week that they have to come out strong and they have to come out fast and they have to give their offense opportunities. Interesting stat for the Steelers. They're last in the league. They have the fewest first downs overall. I don't think they have a first down in the first quarter yet. So if the Raiders come out how they came out against the Buffalo Bills with that successful first drive for a touchdown, that could be big for them. Now, hopefully they don't just go into a shell for the rest of the game as they did against the Buffalo Bills. Right. But if they can come out as they came out against Buffalo, it could be the start of something good for the Raiders, and they can potentially hold the lead. Kenny Pickett hasn't thrown multiple touchdown passes in a game in his career yet. So just as bad as the Raiders' offenses look, the Steelers' offense is just as bad, if not worse. Yep. Absolutely. So there's there's that. <laughs> but, you know, that's that's the the kicker here is you have to get both sides of the Raiders team to start playing better football, offense, defense, everything. We saw some numbers. Jermaine Illuminor, one of the top guards, or excuse me, tackles in the league at pass blocking, by the way. I remember people telling us that he wasn't going to make it, uh, but but good on them. It's a weird thing because the Raiders are putting up good numbers in certain areas, like you talked about the pass protection, but they can't move the ball and they can't score. Um, so, so what does that all mean? It means they're not in sync, and so they have to get these things in sync. I've been on the Jermaine Illuminar, I guess you could say bandwagon, and people, oh, Jermaine Illuminar is overrated. I know he had the false start in the first game, and people roll their eyes every time he has a penalty. But the the PFF stat is. No one has played, no tackle has played more snaps to him without giving up a sack, a hurry, or a quarterback hit. You got to respect it. He's playing well. He's playing good football when it comes to pass protection. He absolutely is. Okay, well, we are going to uh, step aside here with our first break. When we come back, Johnny Stanton, NFL fullback. Right now he's a free agent, so he's looking for his next opportunity. But uh, he's played for the Cleveland Browns, played with Nick Chubb, by the way, uh, and Kareem Hunt, who just re-signed with the Browns after the horrific Nick Chubb uh, injury, and uh, we talked to him about that up on Sports Knot um, uh, this week as well, so you can watch that video up there. But he's going to come on and talk about the Raiders' running game, and we're going to be able to uh, get his perspective on it, what he sees, and what do you do when your running game is having is struggling? And not just because you're running back, it's because of the line and all of that. So we're still going to uh, figure that out when we get back. You're with Mo and Scott. This is Silver and Black. Today, don't go anywhere. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. 
For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's Lifetime Membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter your search based on the qualities that are most important to you. Then you can book a free 15-minute consultation call with any therapist you're interested in seeing. So you can get a feel for whether they're the right fit before you commit to a full-length session. Alma also makes it easy for mental health care providers to navigate insurance. That's why 95% of therapists in their directory accept insurance for sessions. So you can find care that's affordable without stressing about the paperwork. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com therapy60 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com therapy60. Welcome back to Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey original podcast covering the Las Vegas Raiders. I am Scott Colbranson, your host, of course, with my co-host Mo Moten. He's a senior NFL writer over at Bleacher Report. You can also catch his Raiders work up on sportsnot.com where you can catch my coverage of the Raiders and the NFL and baseball. I'm I'm writing some baseball, Mo. It's foreign to me again, trying to get back into the, you know, it reminds me of being in college and doing sports writing and covering all different sports because suddenly you have to different cadence, different language, all that. Uh, but as a writer, it's it's fun. It's it's good to get back to some like diversity of writing, which is cool. How about a little NBA, Scott? A little Knicks action. I'm gonna do some NBA. As much as it'll pain me, I have to do some NBA. College basketball, you name it. We'll get there. All right. Uh we are excited to bring in uh a guy I wanted to get on the show to talk about the Raiders and their run game, and that is Johnny Stanton. He is a uh, NFL fullback, formerly of the Cleveland Browns and the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, he also played at one University of Nevada, Las Vegas. Yes, he's a UNLV Rebel, where he played quarterback, actually. Uh, you can follow uh, Johnny on x.com at Johnny Stanton IV. I have that right, Johnny, right? Or is it Stanton IV only on on X? You got it right. No, I know. I I have the little bit of the, uh, you know, got to switch it up between the social media and the website. But uh, you got it right there on the screen. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And, of course, Johnny, like I said, played most recently with with Cleveland. And you played in the XFL as well, correct? Oh, man. For, um, like, I don't even know what less than a cup of coffee is. Oh, was it? (laughs) I got cut by the XFL (laughs) to make it as a Cleveland Brown. So uh, I guess they wanted a failed XFL fullback. Yeah. That's right. That's that's not a bad trade-off right there, going to the Browns. <laughs> there you that's go. an upgrade. No, absolutely. Um, but, Johnny, we wanted to have you on to talk about the Raiders. We we talked about it in the first segment. The Raiders, through two games, have the lowest uh, running output they've had, uh, the third lowest running output they've had in, in franchise history. This is going back to 1966. They're off to a rough start. 
Uh, and of course, Josh Jacobs held out due to the contract issue during training camp. We talked about guys stay in shape now all year round, but coming in, you know, take a little bit of time to get going. But what we've seen in the first couple games with the, the Raiders in the run game isn't necessarily about Josh Jacobs. And we wanted to bring you on to talk about that. What I, I know you watched a little bit of the film, and when you look at the Raiders, a lot of people want to say, oh, Josh Jacobs, he's out of shape, he's fat. It's hard to run the ball in the NFL, Johnny, isn't it, when you have mm -hmm. three guys on top of you as soon as you get handed the ball? Oh, absolutely. You know, it's it's tough uh, to see the the lack of chemistry that there is right now between between the offensive line and the running backs. Um, there is chemistry that absolutely develops, just like there's chemistry between a quarterback and his receivers and a quarterback and the offensive line. The running back needs to understand the tendencies of the offensive line. And when you when you hold out for that long and miss that much of training camp, it's tough to be able to rebuild that. So that's what I was seeing was hesitancy in the backfield that you don't normally see from Josh Jacobs, um, some shuffle stepping, some, you know, undisciplined cutting in the, in the backfield from him, which you don't normally see from one of the best running backs in the NFL. So that that's the one thing I noticed, especially in this last game, first snap from scrimmage, getting hit in the backfield by his own offensive lineman being driven back that immediately hurts your trust in your own offensive line, which you need to have. So it seemed like the rest of that game, he that, that play was in the back of his mind, not completely being able to trust that he and the offensive line were on the same page. And what was so interesting is later on in the game, when Zamir White ends up taking over, when the Raiders start waving the white, the white flag, he didn't seem to know any better, to be honest. He didn't seem to know, like, he didn't have that distrust in the offensive line against, uh, you know, in that game. So he's running full speed ahead where it seems like Josh Jacobs is looking for holes when he needs to be diving forward, just trying, you know, knock out as many yards as possible, building up that chemistry with the O-line. So as Scott said, I know a lot of people want to blame Josh Jacobs because he's the big money maker. You know, people don't talk about offensive linemen unless they're giving up sacks mm -hmm. or hurries, right? Everyone wants to blame the running back if the running game isn't up to par. But I, I will ask you, being a former ball carrier, what what, what makes a, I want to say perfect, but an ideal ground attack between the offensive line, the way the, the, the offense is running, and the way the running back is? as you said, has chemistry with the offensive line. Because it's more than just a running back hitting a hole. It's more than just guys getting their block at the line of scrimmage. It's a team sport, right? So there's got there's a lot of parts to this. What's an ideal ground attack look like to you? No, absolutely. You know, just as much as the run game can affect the offense, the, the pass game in play action, the pass game does the same thing. It has the same effect for the run game. Um, getting out of defensive sets where they have seven, eight, nine men in the box uh, – is really helpful for the offensive line bit to be able to get on their guys. You know, they've, they've gone against some good defenses. The defensive line have, have, that they've played against have done a great job of plugging up those holes, creating arm tackles, making it hard for the offensive line to be able to get to the second level and letting backside linebackers make some really impressive plays in the hole. Um, but yeah, you know, it's when you're unable to have that, like I said, when you're unable to have that chemistry with the offensive line to be able to press the hole, make last second cuts uh, it's, it's hard to be able to get those extra yardage that you see from the the league's top running backs and that you've seen in the past from Josh Jacobs. Well, Johnny, when you look at that then, and clearly they have to get into that rhythm and get that trust and get all that back again. Um, what do you do? How do you, how do you create that? I mean, when you're out at practice during the week before game day, um, how does that come together for a guy like Josh Jacobs? He knows all those guys. He played with them last year, uh, mm -hmm. but the confidence there, how do you, how do you get that? 
It's tough because you're not going to practice the same way in the season as you ever do in training camp. It's never as the further along you go in the season, practices are going to become less and less intense. Uh, personally, you need to be able to make that mindset shift to thinking about practice like you might in training camp, you know, going through the tough practices, going even harder when you do get tired. That's the only way you're going to be able to build up that chemistry. Obviously, as the season goes on, that trust is going to build, that chemistry is going to build with the offensive line. I don't see this being a problem long-term in the season because they're still the same guys. They're still the same members of that running attack. Josh Jacobs is still Josh Jacobs. It's just taking a little bit longer to be able to get into the swing of things. So, Johnny, let's say the Raiders do struggle to establish a run against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And let's not say they abandon the run, but would you say that an alternative solution would be the short passing game? Because we saw a lot of Josh McDaniels do a lot of that with New England. When the run game mm-hmm. wasn't going, short passes to the running backs. And also, how important, and I, I know the answer to this, but I want you to explain it being a former ball carrier. How important is it for a running back to, to pick up those pass protection blocks if they want to get on the field on third down? Because Zamir White, from what we saw, ha- hasn't had a lot of opportunities on third down as a pass catcher. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not saying that that's the issue with him, pass protection, but how important is that if you want to get on the field on third down? Yeah, I know the Raiders use uh, Amir Abdullah in the backfield a lot on third down because he's such an incredible scat back and it's so experienced behind the line of scrimmage and seeing what the defense is doing and understanding who is coming and who he needs to pick up. He's he's a vet. I was with him at <laughs> University of Nebraska and for like a minute in Minnesota, uh, the dude knows how to ball. Um, as for Zamir White, he hasn't had those opportunities. Looking at Josh Jacobs on on third down and and in these passing situations, he's having to do a lot of chipping along the edge. They're not asking him to do a ton of pass protection from the backfield. And there have been one or two plays this this season so far that I've seen where he has blown a pass protection. That's going to happen. That's that's to even the best running backs in the NFL like Josh Jacobs. That's going to happen every once in a while. But the amount that they're using him in the pass game is actually. Uh, great way to be able to get him involved. He's not lacking the touches as, you know, I think he had four or five catches just as checkdowns from Jimmy G on this, this last Sunday. He's, he's able to get the ball and the production that he's able to put out is actually very useful. He's getting nine, 10 yards a catch, but obviously you want to be able to build up that run game to be able to help guys on the outside to, to gain some space, get those linebackers sucked in, get the play action game back involved because that's just not what you're seeing from the offenses right now. All right, Johnny, before we let you go, I have to get your comments on the rate. Another guy that we'd like to see more of is Jakob Johnson. Uh, and since mm-hmm. you're a fullback yourself, uh, talk a little bit about him, man. Is he is he not the freakish throwback that we all love? He really is. He is not the prototypical uh, fullback that you're seeing, the Kyle Juice checks, the Mike Burtons of the world right now. Uh, there are only a handful of guys in the league who are like him. And it's cool to be able to see somebody who does have the neck roll, who's putting his nose in there and just blowing up plays. He has had a good couple games. Uh, that's the the one thing that I'm, I want to see more from that running game, honestly, is they're using him plenty. They're using 21, 22 personnel, a whole bunch. But being able to see Josh Jacobs really be riding the back of Johnson's like heels. You know, a fullback will never get upset at you running him over from the backside. You know, he, he wants to be able to uh, see the hole. He wants to be able to build, you know, break up the the defensive line and the linebackers. He wants to blow it up for, for you to be able to come right off his heels, right behind you. He does not want to see the linebacker waiting to be able to run around you to get to the running back. If you are you know, a yard behind him, you know, nipping at his heels, he is more than happy. So 
I'm looking for him to be able to really take advantage of those 21 personnel plays and just bust out some big runs. All right, Johnny, thanks for being with us. You can follow Johnny on x.com at Johnny Stanton Ivy. It's Johnny Stanton the fourth. Uh, and check out his website too, as well with the same name. Johnny, we'll have you on again real soon. We appreciate it, man. Absolutely. Awesome. Thanks, guys. All appreciate right. It. There, there you go, folks. Uh, we got a little bit of uh, the running game here and to talk about the Raiders running game. Of course, the struggling Raiders running game. And when we come back here from the break, we're going to be joined by another great guest, and that is Jarrett Bailey. And we're going to talk about the Steelers and get his thoughts on uh, the game coming up on Sunday. You're listening to Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast heard on the bet on the radio in Las Vegas. Don't go anywhere. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What up, y'all? It's your boy Danny Green, three-time NBA champ. You either rooted for me or rooted against me. Join myself and my co-host Harrison Sanford on the Inside the Green Room podcast. It's a podcast that brings you never-before-told tales from the locker room to candid interviews with basketball legends to breakdowns of what's happening in the NBA right now. Whether you're a diehard fan or casual about your hoops, this podcast brings you the game like never before. Follow Inside the Green Room on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, home stretch here on Silver and Black today. An Odyssey original podcast heard on the radio in Las Vegas, of course, in city, the city of lights, whatever you want to call it. Thanks for listening to us on the air there as well. Scott Branson, Mo Moten, back with you. And for this final segment of the show, we have a special guest with us. That is Jarrett Bailey, USA Today. Also, the Steel Curtain. Ooh, yeah, the 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 site covering the Pittsburgh Steelers, of course. And the Raiders and Steelers have such a great history, and we wanted to come on, have him come on and talk about the Steelers. Jarrett, thanks for being with us, man. We appreciate it. Oh, I appreciate the invite, boys. Um, Raiders week is always a very stressful one. Uh, as, <laughs> as a young Steelers fan, That is, uh, this is a game that should not be taken for granted, so I, I'm looking forward to talking about it. All right, well, let's jump in because one of the things, I t- and I have to admit, I, I got suckered in, I bought in, and I'm not saying it's not going to happen, but a lot of expectations around the Steelers team. I got a, there was a lot of national media love, which I'm sure for you, growing up a Steelers fan, made you feel pretty good about it. Uh, <laughs> and Mo was one of those guys who perpetuated it. A- and then they come out, have some injuries, obviously, on the defensive line. And then Kenny Pickett has been up and down. He hasn't been uh, – the offense hasn't done what people thought. In fact, it's just not been very good. Uh, but that Steelers' core of that defense is keeping it. We saw it against the Browns. We saw what they were able to do. Talk about the expectations coming in. Were they realistically, and they're just so far in the early sample size, not living up to it? Or do you think that the expectations are just right, uh, or or maybe we're just a little overplayed? 
Yeah, I mean, the expectations nationally that you talked about, I think they didn't really start until like like June, July, like right before training camp. Um, but I was one of those people who, you know, as a Steelers fan, I'd like to think that I've got a decent level head about the team. Um, but coming in, I mean, you look at all the changes that they made um, and the additions that they made to the roster, you know, looking at, you know, okay, they won nine games last year. You add a Darnell Washington. Um, you bring in Patrick Peterson. You bring in a bunch of new linebackers, a Cole Holcomb and a Landon Robertson. You bring in Quan Alexander in the preseason. And you look at all of that and you say, okay, nine, nine wins last year. If Pickett can take a little bit of a jump forward, then, yeah, this should be, you know, a, a 10, 11-win team. And then they come out week one and lay the goose egg that they did, which, mm. by the way, for those who don't know, the largest home opening loss in the Mike Tomlin era did the Steelers have in week one. So it wasn't a good start. And now, yeah, they're one and one now, but they did their best to lose on Monday night. But Deshaun Watson said, alas, not old front. Allow me. I'll, I'll, hold, I'll hold the loss this week. So. Yeah, the, the expectations were certainly high. And with Mike Tomlin coach teams, they usually are. But, yeah, man, the to say that it's been disappointing so far would be a uh, – it would be – what's what's the phrase I'm looking for? It would be putting it very lightly. Jarrett, without yelling fire Matt Canada with your hair on fire, <laughs> could you tell me <laughs> – could you tell me what is the issue with the Steelers' offense? Matt Kenny Pickett going into his second year. You're expecting growth. You have these weapons, even without Deontay Johnson. As you said, you bring in Darnell Washington. You have Pat Fryer move. You have George Pickens, who's one of my favorites. You have Jalen Warren come out of the backfield, Najee Harris. If you were the offensive coordinator, what would you fix? What are the tweaks that you would make to the Steelers' offense to, to make it productive or efficient? I know you told me not to say Matt Canada, but like <laughs> you just ran through such a talented group offensively, and it's hard not to say, yeah, the offensive coordinator is a big problem, and he is. Um, I will say this, though. People and Steelers fans are very quick, like you said, to be like, oh, Matt Canada is the only issue. Week one was not on Matt Canada. Uh, it was more on Kenny Pickett than anything. He's not making the throws that he needs to make week one. He had like Deontay Johnson was visibly irritated on the field week one. And for good reason, because uh, on a third and eight early in the game, Pickett sailed a pass on him when he was open over the middle. And then in the red zone, when they finally got a drive going, when they were down 20 at the end of the first half, uh, Deontay runs a slant that if he catches, he walks into the end zone, which by the way, didn't have a touchdown last year. Deontay Johnson did not. So I think he's just kind of keen on getting a touchdown, Pickett throws it behind him. And like Deontay just like looks down at his hand and looks back up at Kenny Pickett. Like, <laughs> really? You, you couldn't hit me on that one. So Pickett has been Pickett has been the biggest issue through two games. Like, yes, Matt Canada's play calling isn't good. And it's hilarious too, because like Luke Getze of the Bears has been a focus of like really bad play calling. Those two have like polar opposite philosophies, is what I've noticed is like. Getsy is like, okay, everybody go deep, let this play develop, and Justin uncork it. Matt Canada is like, if you guys run past eight yards, you're not getting the ball thrown to you. We're not doing that. So that, a lot of it, too, is the lack of explosiveness. And any sort of explosiveness that there is in the offense is a catch and run where, okay, it's going to be like a nine-yard pass, and then George Pickens is going to run it 70 additional yards. It's not going to be a bomb downfield, which is disappointing considering what we saw in the preseason. They look to get a little bit more aggressive where – especially in the finale against Atlanta. Um, there was a drive with Pickett. He threw a 30-yard pass to Deontay Johnson, then a 35-yard pass to George Pickens. I think that's where a lot of the optimism of the offense getting better came in, and we haven't really seen that so far. So, 
the offensive line also needs to be better in terms of opening up things in the run game because they still can't run the ball, which was something that was supposed to be fixed when they brought in Isaac Samalo. They drafted Broderick Jones, who hasn't really seen the field too much yet. I think that's going to change very soon because Dan Moore hasn't been good. Um, there, there's a multitude of things that have gone wrong, and it's really most of it based over the past few seasons that Steelers fans have been accustomed to. Things, things are just repeating and not getting better. Yeah, interesting there too because, like I said, you know, for for those of us who don't cover or follow the Steelers closely, we kind of you pick up stuff from from other sport or other parts of the country, right, or other coverage, and and yeah, the offense, the the expectations around the offense. Now we switch to the defensive side. Obviously, Cam Hayward out, uh, and that hurts. What are they doing up front? They they look good against Cleveland for the most part, I thought. And um, this Raiders team is not moving the ball on offense either. So you look at these two teams; they're they're both in the basement in the NFL when it comes to uh, moving the ball and, and scoring on offense. Uh, what are they doing on defense that's been effective? What do they get better at soon? In terms of what's been good defensively, it's been what everybody expects to be good. TJ Watt is really good at football. And Alex Smith, <laughs> or Alex Highsmith had a really nice game on Monday night where the first play from scrimmage, he has the pick six, and then he has the strip sack that TJ recovers uh, for the eventual game-winning touchdown. So – the usual suspects that you expect to be good have been really good. Um, Minka Fitzpatrick hasn't really made a ton of splash plays yet, but he's been where he needs to be, and he's been the only part of the secondary that's been good. Because you look at Patrick Peterson through two games, he hasn't been good. Levi Wallace, he hasn't been good. Um, now, what I would like to see is the fact that you drafted Joey Porter basically with a first-round pick. It was a 32nd overall pick. Start using him. Because in the limited time that he's been on the field, he's made plays. He had two PBUs against Cleveland, one on the first drive, one on the last play for the Browns that sealed the deal. Why is he not seeing the field more? Uh, if we don't see him more in week three, I'm going to have a lot of questions about what is taking so long. Um, and I think that's, in terms of fans that get on Mike Tomlin a lot, I'm not one of these people who's like, I'll fire Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin's a top three coach in the NFL. What fans do get right about Tomlin, though, is that he waits too long to make any sort of meaningful adjustments. And you look at what they have defensively right now where, okay, Levi Wallace through two games has proven that he probably shouldn't be the you know predominant CB2 on this team right now. And from what we've seen so far, maybe Patrick Peterson could go for a bump inside to the slot. Find a way to get Joey Porter Jr. on the field more because in his limited, in his limited snaps, he's played really well. Um, and then up front, we've seen like DeMarvin Leal stepped up really well uh, in the absence of Cam Hayward, uh, rookie Nick Erbig. Uh, got in as well in the pass rush, Marcus Golden. Like they have a lot of depth up front, which is a, a heck of a lot more than they've been able to say in recent memory. Um, so I think adding guys like that, and you know, I brought up the linebackers earlier, where uh, Landon Roberts made a few really nice plays in the run game. Cole Holcomb has been a nice addition, and then Quan Alexander has also been playing well. So they've got guys, uh, but Larry Ogunjobi too. I can't go without saying he had his best game as a Steeler on Monday night, and he's basically playing on like one and a half feet because he's been dealing with a foot injury. So. They had guys step up when they really needed to, um, but the secondary, especially the cornerbacks, those have been the the, the biggest issues. You, you kind of answered it, but I'll, I'll ask you this directly because you, you mentioned Cam Hayward being out. I read articles where Steelers writers saying unleash Joey Porter Jr. So you're not the only one saying it. But if you're if you're if you're on the opposite sideline, if you're the Raiders' offense, if you're Josh McDaniels. Where are you attacking the Steelers' defense right away from the jump? Is it running up the middle because Cam Hayward is not there, or are you going deep and going after the secondary? I'm running on them until they prove that they can stop it because through two weeks they haven't been able to stop it. Christian McCaffrey averaged seven yards a carry, they, and the Browns just ran for, what, a buck 95 on them? 
they haven't been good at stopping the run. So until now, I think they would have been a lot more successful had, you know, the unfortunate injury to Nick Chubb not happened because they were having success running the ball. Um, so if I'm the Raiders, I'm pounding the ball to Josh Jacobs and I'm saying, all right, Pittsburgh, stop us. And if you can tip the cap and you try to find another way to, to go about it, uh, the Steelers tend to play a lot of really soft coverages and that leads to a lot of, you know, intermediate throws, short throws that wouldn't go for much yardage, but when you're throwing for six yards a clip, that's constantly moving the chains, establishing long drives. And if anybody can is good at doing that, it's Josh McDaniels. So I think that this both both of these matchups really favor the Raiders this week, and that's why, as a Steelers fan, I'm not looking forward to Sunday night because I feel like he's going to. I'm not a fan of Josh McDaniels, the head coach, but Josh McDaniels, the offensive mind, knows what he's doing, and he's. I promise you, there are going to be fans that are so cocky about this game, like, oh, it's the Raiders. They just <laughs> lost by four touchdowns. Who cares? Well, they're they're going to find out very soon that the Raiders are a bad matchup for the Steelers. Yeah. And it's interesting you say that because you, you, you talked about Josh McDaniels and his offensive prowess. Uh, you might want to spend some time on, on, on Twitter with Raider fans. Cause they will tell you the opposite of that based on what's Please. happening, but that's just the fan. That's just fans. You know, Hey, that's the way you feel when your team's not doing well, but we know for the Raiders, Jarrett, that this game, it's the home opener. It's Sunday night football. Uh, nobody wants to start one and three. Okay, nobody wants to start 0 and 3. Nobody wants to start 1 and 3 uh coming into this excuse me 1 and 2 coming into this game. When you see this game uh for the Steelers, how important is it for them to win this game early on to set a pace especially if they can get some more offensive success? Yeah, I mean it's important because you look at who they have after this. I mean they got Houston on the road after this which is a winnable game and a game that they should win. So I mean if you're the Steelers and you can bounce back from a bad week one performance and win three straight you're feeling pretty good. Uh, they got an early buy. Their bye week this week this year is week six. Um, but you look at how everybody else in this division is performing right now. Cleveland doesn't look good. The Bengals are off to their second straight slow start, and Burrow's dealing with that calf injury. Baltimore they didn't look good week one. Like yes, they won. They won twenty five to nine. But Lamar had a QBR of thirteen in that game, and he played better against Cincinnati. But I don't want to say put an asterisk on it because I know that's been, for some reason, a really <laughs> popular phrase this season already. Um, but I, I want to see the Ravens and Lamar and this new system with Todd Monk and, you know, keep uh, – I don't want it to just be a one-game thing. I want to keep seeing it prolonged to really believe in the fact, okay, this Todd Monk thing can work. Baltimore, by the way, already already dealing with a ton of injuries where their secondary is really injured. Odell Beckham is already dealing with an injury. J.K. Dobbins is gone. So the division's still really wide open. And if you're the Steelers and you can get off to a three and one start, that you're you're in a really good spot, especially going forward. They don't have that difficult of a schedule. I think their most difficult game remaining would be against Jacksonville, and that game is at home. So they have that benefit uh, for them. But in terms of the division, it's still wide open. And if you can get off to a three and one start, you're in a very good spot. Yeah. The division I so, thought was going to be one of the best. Sorry, Mo, for stepping on you there, but so, I thought it was going to be one of the best. And now you look at, yeah, what's going on in the division. It's, it's so crazy. We knew it'd be competitive. We just thought it would be for different reasons. Mo, go ahead. So, so piggybacking off that, I know the history fact is out there. I, I've said it on my Bleach Report lives. The Steelers haven't gone on the road to beat the Raiders since 1995, right? Pickett wasn't even born yet. So I wasn't knowing, even born yet. <laughs> you weren't even born yet. So <laughs> I was about nine years old. I'm old. Okay. But yeah, I mean, looking at that fact, I know some people don't take those things into heavy consideration because obviously teams change. But, you know, there, there were some good Ben Roethlisberger teams that couldn't get the job done. But knowing that fact and knowing the history, 
are you panicking after if, if the Steelers lose this game? Is it is it man overboard hit the panic button right now? Or is it as you just said a, a few moments ago, the Steelers just don't match up well against the Raiders. I you didn't expect the win here. I think it depends on if they lose, if they're at least competitive, the offense takes you know it looks better. I don't think that's a panic button. If they go out and it's, you know, a 27 to six loss or something of that nature where the Steelers offense is just as bad as it's ever looked. If Tomlin doesn't come out Monday and say, Matt Canada is no longer our offensive coordinator, (laughs) then people are going to be pissed, man. And I'm going to be one of them. So context definitely matters when it comes to the loss, assuming, you know, in this world, if we're assuming that they do lose it just depends on how if it's like a shootout and it's 34 31 i think you can kind of live with that because i think some fans just want to see that they can hang in shootouts it doesn't matter who it's against um but if it's just an embarrassing loss again to a team that i don't want to make it sound like the steelers are some high mighty team but a raiders team that i don't have a lot of expectations for this season the Steelers can't take them lightly because the Steelers aren't good either. <laughs> and if they and if they do and they get blown out, then yes, I think it'll be time to hit the panic button because that means that okay, in two out of three games, everything that could have gone wrong has gone wrong, and that's not a good sign. Absolutely. Well, Jared, we appreciate you being with us, talking a little bit about the Steelers. You can follow Jared on X.com at jbaileynfl. Also, catch his work up on Behind the Steel Curtain where he writes about the Steelers. Well, listen, man, good luck to you. Hopefully have you on down the road, uh, talk some more NFL football as the season rolls on. Absolutely, boys. Cheers. Appreciate it. All right, there you go. Great great having Jared on. Uh, Great follow, by the way, on X.com. So make sure you do that. Always in tune with with, with everything, really, in the NFL, not just the Steelers. He talked about the Steelers because it's close to his heart, but uh, we certainly appreciate him coming on. Uh, Mo, how do you see this coming out, man, this game coming out? Because I think... Fans, you know, it's the home opener. They want to start off well. They want to start off with a win at home. And I think it's important for the Raiders to start off with a win at home. Um, And I just think it's a toss-up. I think the Raiders could easily win the game. I think the Raiders could easily lose the game. I think it's going to be a close one. I think these teams are evenly matched. I know Raider fans are going to say the Steelers have a much better defense, and they do. But I think the Raiders on paper when you look at the names on the back of the jerseys have a better offense actively are you taking Devontae adams and josh jacobs or are you taking george pickens and Najee harris i'm taking josh jacobs and Devontae <laughs> adams every day of the week now you have to get the ball to Devontae adams you oh, have yeah. to open up running lanes for josh jacobs for those guys to be effective so i think it's a matter of it's going to boil down to which offensive line plays better I know people want to focus on the Steelers' defense and can the Raiders force turnovers with their defense, but Jared just talked about it. The offensive line for the Steelers hasn't played well. The Raiders' offensive line pass blocks well. Run blocking, yeah, You know, so it's going to – I think it's going to be one of those muddied-up games where it's low scoring. On my Bleacher Report uh, betting column, I have the Raiders winning 23-20, so I have the Raiders covering their two-and-a-half point spread at the time from DraftKings, and I have them winning straight up. So – I. Like Jared just said, the Raiders could be a bad matchup for this Steelers team. And I, I, I'll i go as far as to say, not that I expect the win, but I expect the Raiders to play well against the Steelers team. Yeah, and I like I like the Raiders in a close one, too. Uh, I'm not going to give a score prediction, but I do think it's within that range uh, of the spread, as you just mentioned. And I go back to what Johnny talked about last segment, too, around Josh Jacobs getting comfortable and getting confidence in that offensive line. 
That's important, and I think that has to start early in this game. They have to establish the run early in this game. I like that they're back home. They spent last week in in West Virginia for bonding. But, you know, you're not at home. You're not in your own bed. You're not in your own facility. You're not getting ready for a game in your home stadium. I think maybe this is where we see them do it. Yeah, you can call me a glass half full on this, but but this is the time they do it. And, and to Jarrett's point about the matchup, they should be able to run the ball on this Pittsburgh defense and establish it early. And they have to. I, I, I make that imperative. I said it at the beginning of the show. I said it on my Bleach Report Live. Josh Jacobs has to be effective them to win this game. They're not going to win this game by throwing the football 12 times to Devontae Adams. He may get his numbers, but the Steelers are going to say, we'll let Devontae Adams get his as long as he doesn't reach the end zone. But Josh Jacobs is not getting his and will make the Raiders' offense one-dimensional. That is not the way to win football games against a good defense. The Raiders have to be a balanced attack. I hope we get to see it for the first time really this season because Josh Jacobs hasn't gotten going yet. But hopefully three weeks in, he starts to find his mojo and the Raiders' offense gets back on track. Yes, and before we go to the defense, we have to see some improvement there. we got to see, especially against this anemic Steelers offense, we have to see that defensive line break through, man. We have to see it. You know, Brian Baldinger, our buddy Baldy here at Odyssey, did a really critical video of uh, Tyree Wilson. Um, it's it's one play, but I get what he's saying. And and it's it's it, that's the unfortunate part about the Chandler Jones situation, too, is they didn't get the chance – which we thought they would do, and they probably had the plan to do, was to ease him in over time. But, Mo, we got to see something out of the front of that defense this week uh, for this team to start taking that next step. Shout out to the Raider fans there on my Bleach Report Live on Wednesday. They came up, they, they kind of drummed up this idea that the Raiders need to shake up their defensive line because I had a graphic up and it showed all the, you know, the PFF grades of you know, their defensive tackles. Now, grades are subjective, but you don't need an eye test to understand that the Raiders' interior of the defensive line is pr- has been playing pretty soft. Yeah, They gave up 183 rushing yards to the Buffalo Bills at about 5.2, 5.3 yards per carry. James Cook had 123 yards. You cannot have that type of run defense when you're going against the Pittsburgh Steelers, who are usually a physical football team. So if Kenny Pickett isn't clicking, guess what? They're going to give the ball to Najee Harris and Jalen Warren. So... The, the Raiders' defense, if they have to call up Nesta J. Severa, which was a suggestion in my Bleach Report Live, I would like to see Nesta J. get more snaps yep. this Sunday. We'll see if he does. I would like to see Isaac Rochelle, Isaac Rochelle still get more snaps. Now that you've opened up a roster spot with Chandler Jones on a non-football injury, a non-football illness list, I want to see another defensive lineman get more snaps because the guys that they've had out there haven't been getting, getting the job done. No. Yeah, and that includes Tillery. That includes Bilal Nichols. Bilal Nichols. Bilal Nichols, I mean, just, you know, been disappointing all the way around since he was signed. So they need to mix it up. I think this is what I said about offense, and I wrote a piece up on Raider Ramble about Trey Tucker as well, that they should they should get him more involved because the, the, the offense is not dynamic, and at least when they give him the ball, the guy's like a, a, a jet, right? You get him out there, even on the run, the jet sweep run that he had – was huge. I mean, you whatever you got to do to get that offense rolling, you got to do it. So you can't just stick with the guys. You need to get Hunter Renfro involved. You need to get Trey Tucker involved. And on the other side of the line, like you said, you need to mix in some of those guys, especially some of the young bucks. See what they got. I mean, what do you got to lose? You're not doing anything at this point. Right? So Nessa J. Severo is my number one guy. Trey yeah. Tucker, when he's on the field, you got to respect his speed. You're correct yeah. about that. Absolutely. All right. That's going to close it out for this show. We'll see how Sunday night football goes for the Raiders. Uh, either way, we'll be on 
live. Mo will be on live with the Bleacher Report app late night with Mo. Late night, midnight with Midtown Mo. Oh, <laughs> yes. Three M's. Yes. Midnight. Yes. Wait, midnight. Oh, I don't have the sound effects today. Uh, midnight with Midtown Mo. I needed a really deep voice because I can't. Let's see. Mid. No, it's not going to work either. Oh, wait. Midnight. No, it's not working. Damn it. Okay. Anyway, enough of that. Uh, midnight with Midtown Mo. You'll be on the app after, right after the game, right? Mm -hmm. And then uh, Murph and I will be here as well doing our post game. Probably, probably a shorter one just because it's so late. Can I say something? Fans out there, lighten up on Murph, man. I understand it was a tough loss against the Bills. Murph is such a positive guy. I hate to see him he's... get so much heat because he's a positive dude. And I, I understand it's hard to be positive after a loss like that to the Bills. Yeah. But be nice to Murph when he when he's in for me on Sunday uh, after on the post games. He's really a great guy <laughs> doing great work in the Raiders community. Regardless he if he's positive, positive and super positive, and you think he's high on something after being so positive after a loss. Get, cut that man a break. He's been a Raider fan. He he's he's seen a lot of bad Raider football, and he's just I I, and I feel like it's it's a long season. I'm sure he's probably said that. Look, bad loss, long season. Let's calm down just a little bit. Yeah, he said move past it. It's it's over. What are you gonna do? Uh, by the way, too, Murph is that positive in real life. Like that's him, and so people can hate on him. He doesn't care, which is good. But I care. It bothers me because he's the voice of the fan. These same people yelling about Murph are the ones telling me not to tell them how to fan, but they're telling him how to fan. It's kind of weird. But nonetheless, he's going to be on with us live. Go back. Last night I had fun. Big Corey and I on the PSF app in the Raiders room <laughs> did a little live stream. If you missed that, go, go, go check it out. We're also going to be doing the game live. So Sunday night during the game, throughout the whole game, Corey and I will be there and hilarity will follow. I'm sure. We're going to have fun on there. That's that's Raiders Uncensored, by the way. So I could actually use I could use potty words, Mo. No. They're making Scott, fun of me. You saw Kelly Kreiner. Scott, Scott Unleashed. <laughs> Scott Unleashed. <laughs> it's going to be fun. But uh, So join us there. And then, of course, we'll be back with a new podcast on Tuesday. Maybe a, a blitz on Monday. But most of you listen to the postgame show on Monday. So we'll be back for that. But make sure you follow Mo on Twitter, X dot com ish ish m o e m o t o n i am at l v gully mo i will talk to you like this tuesday but i'm sure i'll be blowing up your phone like we usually do over the game of course so hopefully we're, we're talking about a win because people are ready to go man overboard already <laughs> it's amazing after two weeks but anyway i understand it they love their team they're passionate so We'll stick with them. All right. For our producer, Mike Robier, for Momotin, I am Scott Colbranson. This has been Silver and Black Today. We'll talk to you guys next week. Raider Steelers on Sunday Night Football. Enjoy.